All right, if you're here and you've got your copy of God's Word, I want to invite you to take it and turn to the book of James. We're going to start out on the book of James in the New Testament. It's about midway through your New Testament. And then we are going to go back to uh, the book of Joshua. We're going to spend a little bit of time in the book of Joshua. And then we're going to fast forward to the book of Matthew so you kind of have an idea of, of where we're headed this morning as far as keeping up in the Scripture goes. So James chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 19. But before we start, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and we thank you for just all of the many blessings that we have, and Lord, we're just overwhelmingly grateful uh, with thanksgiving during this time of year. Father, we could go on all day listing things that we're thankful for, but Father, most of all, we're thankful for the forgiveness of sins that's found only in Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you that we don't have to carry around that burden of sin from day to day. I thank you that you've set us free from it. And I thank you that you've set us free uh, to do good works for you. And so, Lord, I pray that during the rest of this service that we would be encouraged. Father, I pray that you would feed your people. And, Lord, I pray that you would use me to do it. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, we're in the book of James. We're in chapter 1, verse 19. But we are in our second Sunday of a short Thanksgiving series we're doing. Generally speaking, on Thanksgiving, uh, or the Sunday closest to Thanksgiving, I preach one message about just everything in our church that I'm overwhelmingly thankful for. Uh, but this week, I decided to stretch it out to three sermons and, and talk about two very particular things I'm grateful for. And then we'll do the we'll, we'll do the catch-all next week as far as everything within our church body I'm thankful for. Last week, we talked about being that I was very thankful for the Spirit of God that works in our life. That same Spirit of God that we see working in individuals' lives in the Old Testament. Well, now every single one of us has the Spirit of God who's put their faith in Jesus Christ. Every one of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ have the Spirit of God living inside of us to do the same great things that have been done all through the Scriptures. This week, I want to give a disclaimer before I tell you what I'm thankful for. Uh, let me tell you what I'm thankful for first and then give you the disclaimer. I'm thankful that following the Lord is simple. Okay? That's what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful that following the Lord is simple. And we're going to talk about how following the Lord is simple. But before we move on, i got to tell you something about the word simple. And this person may or not be here who I heard said this, but it really gave me some time to think. We were going through a season in our church where we were losing church members at a pretty rapid pace. And it seemed like we were always at church doing some sort of funeral. And then the ladies of our church always do such a good time when a church member dies feeding the family after the funeral. And so every, after every funeral, I make sure I go to the kitchen because I get to eat with the family. And I tell the ladies, thank you for the hard work that they've done and feeding everybody. And this particular time, I'm telling you, there had been three or four meals that I had been to. And I just told the ladies, I said, ladies, thank you so much for what you do. This is a really simple way that we can show the love of Christ to families who have lost a loved one. And those ladies looked at me and they said, Pastor, you think this is simple? And so here's the disclaimer. The disclaimer is that simple doesn't mean easy, okay? You can do something that's very simple, and it can be extremely difficult to do, yet still be simple, okay? You want to pull an engine out of a car? It's simple. You take off all the nuts and bolts holding the engine in, pull the engine, put the new engine in, put everything back, right? Simple. You and I can't do it, okay? But it's... it's, it's all the directions are there, and if you simply follow the directions, the engine comes out, the engine goes in, piece of cake, in theory. I want to tell you that following the Lord is painstakingly simple. 
but it's hard to do. And so what I want to do is I want to, I want to jump to the book of James, chapter 1, verse 19. Before I read this to you, I want you to know that James writes this book, and it would be very easy for us to, to go through our whole lives reading the scriptures, living in the scriptures, soaking them in, retelling these stories to our kids, and then just treating them like it's a storybook. It'd be very easy to do. And so listen to what James says. James chapter 1, verse 19. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness and humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Listen to this. This is what I want to get to. Verse 22. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This man will be blessed in what he does. And so James takes a minute and he reminds everybody, he says, gang, don't just read the word, don't just hear the word, but do the word. And listen, the commands of Christ are simple. They're almost too simple because they just are. Now go back to Joshua. And I want to see some, I want to show you some simple commands that were given to Joshua. And I want to see you how painfully successful Joshua was by keeping these simple commands of Christ. You ready? All right. Everybody's back in the book of Joshua. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, right? Sixth book of the Bible. All right. You guys are fast. You're all looking at me. You must have found it already. Here we go. Joshua chapter 1. Listen to what God says to Joshua. Hopefully you remember what's happened. Moses has led the people out of the promised land. God has, has got the people to the edge of the promised land. They send in 12 spies. Ten of the spies come back and they say, the land is fantastic, but the people are huge. Don't go in there. We cannot go in there. Two men, Joshua and Caleb, say, God's given us the land. Come on, let's go. The people get together. They don't want to go into the land. So God says, no problem. You're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Their 40 years of wilderness wandering has come to an end. That whole generation has died off. And now God's raised up Joshua. Joshua is going to take the people into the promised land. And they're going to occupy the land that God has promised. Right? Now give me a head nod. Okay, good deal. So listen to what God says to Joshua. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 1. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. This is great news. You're going to go into the land. Everything that you see, everywhere your foot touches, I, God, am giving it to you, Israel. 
fantastic news. He says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to fail you or forsake you. Then he says in verse six, he says, be strong and courageous for you shall give this people possession of the land, which I swore to their fathers to give them only verse seven, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. And so you would think at this point, you would think that God being the almighty, wise father in heaven that he is would tell Joshua, listen, I'm going to give you the land, but there's big giants in the land. And so you need to sharpen your arrows. You need to sharpen your swords. You need to pull your bowstrings tight, wax them up, because when you go in there, you're going to be up against the fight of your life, taking those people's homes and their gardens and everything that belongs to them. But he doesn't say that. He says, be strong and courageous. And keep the words that I gave you. Keep them. Do exactly what I've told you. And don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left. Only be careful to obey all the words of this law. And he says, and I'll be with you. And I won't fail you or forsake you. Then he goes on in verse 8. He says, now what he's talking about now is he's got the first. Joshua has the first five books of the Bible. So he's got Genesis through Deuteronomy. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. So he says, Joshua, it's not about sharp arrows. It's not about sharp swords. It's not about what sort of shape your army is in. It's in you meditating on and keeping the words of this book. And that's going to determine your success. And he says in verse nine, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not tremble or be dismayed for the Lord. Your God is with you wherever you go. Now you flip a page or two over as you're flipping to Joshua chapter five. What happens is that Joshua takes over from the takes over from Moses. He gathers the people together. They get themselves right with the Lord and they're going to march forward. The first thing they're going to do is they're going to march to the city of Jericho. Jericho is across the Jordan River from where they currently are. And so if you're in the Old Testament and you're in the army and you need to do a river crossing, this is a very dangerous thing to get two million people over a fast moving river. Right. It just is. Whenever you have to cross a large body of water, it's a difficult task to do unless you have a bridge. They don't have a bridge. So what happens is that the Lord parts the Jordan River for them. They walk across the Jordan River on dry land. And now the people find themselves camped out on the same side of the river as the city Jericho that they can see off in the distance. You got the picture? Jericho is the first city they're going to come to. First city they're going to, they're going to conquer. Jericho is full of angry folks that want to kill the, the people of the Lord. All right? And so listen to what happens when they get to verse, they get to chapter five. Now it came about, this is Joshua chapter five, verse one. Now it came about when all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard how the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the sons of Israel until they had crossed that their hearts melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the sons of Israel. And so what happened is that all of the kings of the surrounding areas got word through their Facebook messaging, Instagram feed, Twitter feed, all this word gets out. That the Lord has dried up the water in the river and the people have walked through on dry land and all of the surrounding nations are scared of these people of Israel. 
And so if you know anything, when people are scared, that's the time you attack, right? That's the time where you, you mount an attack and you're going to go in and you're going to take over these cities while all the people are cowering in fear. But that would be a wise decision. And God says, Joshua, you're not in the business of making wise decisions. You're in the business of keeping the words of this book. And so what does he tell Joshua to do? Listen to this. Chapter 5, verse 2. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make for yourself flint knives and circumcise again the sons of Israel the second time. Now, how many of you, if you haven't read that before, saw this coming? We've got a huge two million man army rolling forward to capture a city. We've just crossed over the river. The enemies are cowering in fear. Now's the time to attack. And what does God say do? He says, stop right there. Circumcise the whole bunch of people. And listen to what the scripture says. So Joshua made himself flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at that place that begins with the G. So Joshua did it. Do you know how ridiculous of a decision this is? If you're not hearing from God. Do you know how foolish this is? Do you know that it takes about a week to recover from a circumcision? Now, some of you are going to be like, I can't believe he was using that word in the sermon. It's in the text, okay? You can't read through the scriptures and not hear the word. That's what he says to do. Why does God tell Joshua, circumcise the people? Because that's what the book said to do. And Joshua was a man called by God to do exactly what the book said to do. If you wanted to be in good standing with God and you were a member of the nation of Israel, you had to be circumcised. That was proof that you were in a good covenant relationship with God. And so it's important enough that when God says to do it, Joshua does it. And then see what happens. He circumcises the people. When he obeys, God shows up later in that chapter. Listen to this over in verse 13. Now it came about when Joshua, this is Joshua chapter 5 verse 13. Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand and Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? He said, no, rather I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, what has my Lord to say to his servant? The captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, remove your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. And so this is what happens. God has set Joshua apart to lead his people into the promised land. And he's told Joshua, listen, Joshua, the only thing that you need to make certain and sure you do is that you keep my word. Joshua obeys the Lord. He keeps the Lord's word even when it's hard. So if you look back in verse 2. And God tells the people, God tells Joshua, make for yourselves flint knives, circumcise again the sons of Israel the second time. And then you have Joshua making the flint knife and circumcising the sons of Israel. Let me just tell you that doing that to two million people is a long process. And there's a lot of conversations that would have happened in between verse two and verse three. A lot of conversations. Okay, let's just be real with this. Some knucklehead general walks up to your, your company or your platoon or your squad and says, Hey, this is, these are the orders that have been handed down from the general. We're going to need to take care of this business before we do anything else. Do you know how much convincing that Joshua would have had to do? 
Do you think people just signed up and showed up? Said, me first, me first. Do you think cutting in line was a problem when it came to this decision? I dare say not. But Joshua was responsible for keeping the word of the Lord. And when he kept the word of the Lord, the very next thing that happened is that God showed up. And Joshua says to the Lord, are you for us? Are you against us? And the Lord reminds him, I'm not for you or against you. I'm the captain of the army that you're in. And so you're actually with me instead. Because when you keep the word of the Lord, it's not, it's not for the Lord or against the Lord. It's, it's you fall. The Lord's not for you or against you. It's you following him and proving that you're with him. And so we go on to Joshua chapter six, verse one. And so God gives another word to Joshua. The people have been obedient. God gives another word to Joshua. And it says this, verse 1 of chapter 6. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out. No one came in. The Lord said to Joshua, see, I've given Jericho into your hand with its king and the valiant warriors. Here's the plan. Sharpen your arrows. Get your bows nice and tight. Sharpen your swords. Grab some horses, grab some bayonets, grab some, some joust, right? This is what you need to do. This is how you need to prepare your army. God doesn't say any of that. He says, you shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. So this word has got to get from Joshua to the people. And so Joshua tells the people, okay, here's the plan. I know we've got grappling hooks. I know we've got big ladders. I know we've got everything we need to just wage an absolute war on this city. But God said we need to walk around the city one time each day for six days. But Joshua, people are going to shoot us with bow and arrows as we're marching around the city. He says, nope, just be quiet. Walk around the city. They say, okay, then we break out the ladders. Then we break out the battering rams. Then we break out the swords. And now we get down to business. And he says, no. He says in verse 4, he says, also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall be, verse 5, that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up, every man straight ahead. And the people have got to be thinking, Joshua. Come on, man. That's ridiculous. This is a huge wall. They say the wall's over 10 feet thick. It's super high. Joshua, there's no way this is going to happen. And Joshua says, no, it's really this simple, guys. We do what God said. That's all we do. And we trust him for the results. And so you know the rest of the story. You know that the wall falls down flat. The people go in and they overtake the nation of Israel. They overtake the 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 place of Jericho and you know the rest of the book of Joshua is that when the people did what the Lord called them to do God had favor on them and blessed the things that they put their hand to and when the people were in sin God didn't bless what they put their hand to but when they kept the word of the Lord the Lord blessed it and gang listen we're getting ready to go over to a New Testament example of when this same sort of thing happens and I just want you to know that on Thanksgiving I'm painfully grateful that we don't have to come up with all sorts of plans I'm so thankful that we don't have to come up with all sorts of wise ideas. We don't have to come up with dog and pony shows to win people to the Lord and to grow God's church. All we have to do is keep the word of the Lord. It's that simple. 
Jesus says, raise me up and I'll draw all men to myself. It's that simple. Now, didn't say anything about it being easy, but I said it's that simple. And so now you flip over to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28. And here's a, here's, that's an Old Testament example of God's people obeying him. Now I want to give you a New Testament example of what God has commanded us to do and what it looks like when God's people obey his word, how great things happen. All right, you're going over to the book of Matthew chapter 28. Ultimately, you're getting to verse 18 to the great commission. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 says this. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so here's a commandment, right? I said, following the Lord was simple. Go into all the world. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so here we have, as a, as a church, as followers of Christ, we have a command on each of our lives to, as we go throughout the world, as we go throughout the nations, we're to make disciples of nations as we go. Right? And then the Lord promises, when you do that, I'll be with you always. Wouldn't you guys love to see the Lord doing great things amongst us? Like, wouldn't that be awesome? Like, wouldn't it be awesome if you showed up with us as a church body and we couldn't even have a preaching service because everyone was so excited to share what the Lord was doing in their life that week as they obeyed the commands of Christ? Like, wouldn't that be fantastic? You guys are like, no, I'm, I'm content with funerals for church services. Okay, like I'm good with that. No, everybody wants God to do great things. And so listen to this. This story is, is straight from the mouth of Dr. Tarkington. Okay, I was at his house just last week and he told a story of one of his friends. Okay, not somebody he read a book about in a missionary book that happened tons of years ago. This story is about a man he knew face to face. You following me? This is not someone else's story. This is a story of someone that is his friend, someone he knows, someone that he can verify this. So there's, there's someone sitting in this room right now that can verify the accuracy of this story. So the man Dr. Tarkington knows is serving in the Philippines. He's got a call on his life to, to take the gospel to the nations. It's as simple as going. I didn't say easy. I said simple. It's as simple as getting a plane ticket, going somewhere where they don't know Jesus and telling them about Jesus. This man goes to the Philippines. He's got a burden on his heart to serve one of the 900 or so occupied islands in the Philippines. He's, he's taking the gospel with him. He gets word from this village that up the mountain, there's people who have never heard the name of Jesus before. There's about eight huts and there's a pond in the middle of those eight huts. And those people were certain have never heard the name of Jesus before. And so this guy gets an interpreter and he starts the hike up the mountain, chopping down trees. And so he's, he's a tall man, much like Dr. Tarkington. He's hunched over. They're cutting down a, a path through the brush so that they can take a half a day's journey to get to these people who have never heard the gospel before, right? The man shows up with the gospel. Now, so far, everything I've told you is very simple. You've got somebody goes to another country with the gospel, and he just wants to tell someone else about Jesus. Now, I didn't say it was easy. I just said it was simple. 
So they get to where the village is. The, the interpreter claps, gathers the, the people together, and he says, here I've got some men who want to tell you about the God who created the heavens and the earth and everything you've ever seen. And so everybody's gathered around now. They're ready to listen to the, the tall white man who's going to tell everybody about Jesus. He begins to tell people about Jesus. He starts sharing the stories uh, of the Old Testament working up to Jesus. You get to the part about Jesus on the cross dying for their sins and the whole crowd is in tears weeping. When everyone's done weeping, you get to the part about the resurrection. Jesus has risen from the dead. He didn't just die to forgive you of your sins. He rose from the dead and everybody breaks out cheering. And then the oldest man there, who's the village elder, is blind, can't see a thing. He tells the people, he says, listen, I've been having dreams that a tall white man would come explain who God is and what he's about to us. That gives you chill bumps, doesn't it? Doesn't it? So the man continues to tell people about Jesus and he tells people of their need to to be baptized, to identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the village chief says, wait, me first. Let me be baptized first. So the white man goes into the pond and he he takes the man, the blind chief, and he baptizes him. He, He dunks him down into the lake, or excuse me, into the pond, and he raises the man up. And the man begins praising the Lord, telling everyone that now he can see and he's excited that he's identified with Jesus Christ. The blind man goes under the water, comes up out of the water and can see giving, giving miracle proof that the spoken word of God is true and is a fact. And this isn't a story in an encyclopedia Britannica. This is not a, a, a radio story that someone has made up. This is his friend went to a country where they didn't know Jesus, told the people about Jesus and Jesus showed up doing great things amongst the people. Is that not amazing? Gang, it's simple. We have airplanes. You don't even have to be in a boat for three months to get across the ocean anymore. You can be across the ocean in 12 hours. You don't even have to know the language you're going to. You have enough money probably in your wallet right now to pay an interpreter to to interpret anything that you want to say to a people that don't know Jesus. Gang, it's simple to take the gospel to the nations. And Jesus says, gang, when you do that, when you start taking the gospel to the people who don't have it, that's when I show up and get involved. He says, because when you do that, then I'll be with you always, even to the ends of the age. And so, brothers and sisters, it's Thanksgiving. And I want you to know that I am super excited when I put my head on my pillow at night to know that it is simple to follow the Lord. Now, it'd be one of the hardest things you've ever done, but the marching orders are very simple. It's just a matter of whether we want to do it or not. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer. If you're here, if you never put your faith in Jesus Christ, I would love to share with you how you could have a relationship with him. How he came to this earth, died on the cross for your sins so that you could be forgiven of anything that you've ever done. I'd love to tell you about how much he loves you and cares about you, wants you to be in this relationship with you. And I'd love to tell you about how he rose from the dead so that you could have eternal life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the great things he did on our behalf. Father, we thank you for the stories in this Bible that are 100% fact. Lord, we thank you that there was a man named Joshua who was obedient to your word, even when it seemed silly. And Father, we thank you for the great victories you gave him.
Father, I thank you for the friend of Dr. Tarkington. And I thank you for how you revealed yourself to those people who had never heard your word before. Father, I thank you for saving them. Lord, I pray for us right now as a church that you would raise up men and women who are willing to take the gospel places where it's never been heard before. And Father, I pray that when we do that, that you would be faithful to keep your word and that you would go with us and that you would guide us every step of the way. Father, we thank you for how simple you made it. I pray that you'd give us the strength to do the hard work. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you'd stand for our hymn of invitation, John and Betsy will lead us. All right. I just want to share with you guys before we're dismissed that uh, this is Matt and Kaylee. Kaylee has been a member for a long time of our church. Matt wants to move his membership over. And so we're having a new members uh, lunch and we're going to we're going to bring all the people that want to join into our church at the same time. So you guys come down, tell Matt and Kaylee that you're glad they're back from Tennessee, that the Lord saved them from that state and brought them back here and uh, that they're now here with family and friends. And so uh, just come by, let let them know that you're grateful to have them here. And then uh, generally speaking, we vote on bringing all of our new members in. We're just going to do it all at the same time. And so I'm going to ask Dr. Tarkington, if you would uh, pray to dismiss us and then you guys come down and tell Matt and Kaylee, welcome back.